here today, gone tomorrow. That's our life. Jesus said the most important thing is not how you die. It's not how old you are when you die, but what condition were you in? Had you taken the opportunity to repent and get right with God? Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. One of the devil's favorite ploys is to accuse a suffering person for bringing it on themselves. But sometimes it's not your fault. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you for joining us. Today we're starting a brand new message I'm calling It's Not Your Fault. You know, Jesus was approached one day by a group of men who insinuated that a terrible accident killing 18 people was actually the result of God's judgment. But Jesus let them know that it wasn't God's judgment at all. This tendency to judge suffering people is as old as Job. The last thing a suffering person needs to hear is it's your fault. I believe today's message is going to help many of our listeners come out from under condemnation by realizing it's not your fault. So let's go right to today's word. Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. Now that's verse 1. He gets informed. Now verse 2 is Jesus talking because he's read something in them. He has read that they're insinuating that those who were murdered did something and God's wrath is on them for it. So Jesus asked them a question in verse 2. Do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee? In other words, were these people infamous, terrible sinners, and that's why this terrible thing befell them? He says, is this why they suffered? Now, what is the next three words in verse 3? Let's everybody say it together. Not at all. Jesus says, you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. Now Jesus, always taking any opportunity to teach, he brings up an accident that everybody knew about, apparently. And here's what he says. And what about the 18 people who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. And I tell you again that unless you repent, you will perish too. Let me just kind of unpack this story a little bit. The Galileans mentioned at the beginning of our text were a group who insisted, it was kind of a sect or almost a cult of people who believed that Caesar was not sovereign over Rome, but God was. Now, that's not wrong. That's true. But they also believed you shouldn't pay taxes. That's where they got in trouble. You shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar. And so... They didn't pay taxes, and they were in rebellion against the nation of Rome. And Pilate didn't like it one bit. Pilate was ruthless. Pilate is the one who said, crucify him, or sent Jesus to the cross. Pilate, being ruthless, sent some soldiers to these people while they were offering their 
sacrifices, and they murdered them. They slaughtered them on the spot. And their blood was mingled with their sacrifice, as the Bible says. So these men now, these informants that have come to Jesus, have come to him with an insinuation in their voice or something underneath what they're saying. And what they're insinuating is, Jesus, these people must have been really bad sinners. Because if they weren't really bad sinners, this terrible thing wouldn't have happened to them. And Jesus says, no, you've got it all wrong. You're misreading it. He said, let me ask you a question. Were those Galileans worse sinners than everybody else there, everybody else in the city? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. So Jesus is shooting out from under them this notion that when something bad happens to somebody, the way you read into it is they must have done something terrible and the judgment of God is on them. People do it all the time. Then Jesus said, here's a great chance for me to bring up another situation. So he brings up where there was a tower in the town called Siloam. There was this tall, big tower, and people were hanging around the tower. And for some reason it toppled. We don't know if it was a storm. We don't know if it was um, bad construction. We don't know why. But the tower suddenly toppled. And when it toppled, there were 18 people it fell on, and it crushed them, and it killed them. Now, Jesus is going with their logic and speaking to their insinuation, and he said, now let me ask you, those 18, were they worse sinners than everybody else in the town of Siloam? And that's why that tragedy befell them? And Jesus answered his own question, and he said, no. He said, let me tell you the truth about this. Unless you repent, you will perish just like they did. See, here's Jesus' thinking. His thinking is, it doesn't matter how you die to him. That's not the big deal. Not how you die. But were you right with God when you died? That's Jesus' whole point here. That's the thrust of his thinking. It's what he's wanting to teach these men who have come to him with this story. He says, this was not the result, this tower falling. It was not the result of God's judgment. Because unless you repent, you're also going to perish. Now, I want to take this story, and I want to just, just bring out some truths uh, that are very, very powerful, and that I think the church needs to understand. The first thing I see here that Jesus is telling all of us is don't misread the cause of other people's troubles. Don't, don't assume when you look at somebody and you see them going through all kinds of trials that they must have done something or they would not be experiencing this. Now, I'll be the first to admit, we can bring trouble on ourselves. Isn't that the worst kind of trial when you're going through something really bad and you know you did it to yourself? It's your fault. Now, that is your fault. If you go out and you sow badly, you're going to reap badly, and we bring trouble on ourselves. But more times than not, when we go through trials, it's really not our fault. We live in a devil-infested, sin-infected world where bad things happen to good people. Now, this tendency to attribute somebody's trials to personal tragedies or, or personal tragedies to some kind of judgment from God, it's as old as time itself. It's as old as time itself for people to do that. I think of old Job, poor old Job. I, I still hurt for Job. I mean, I know he was restored and he got double for his trouble, but I still hurt for all the pain that he went through, and he went through terrible pain in almost a day. 
When you read the book of Job, he lost his home, his children, his health, his wealth. Bam, 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 bam. One trial after another, any one of which would have been enough to level almost anybody. But he went through a series like dominoes of trouble. And you know what the worst thing was that happened to him? I think it was worse than the troubles when three friends came to visit him. Job's friends. You ever had a Job's friend? Let me tell you about the Job's friends. Job's three friends were convinced that he had done something, that God had brought judgment on him, or he would never have been suffering like this. So the whole book of Job is these three so-called friends telling Job, fess up, man, you know you did something wrong. There's some secret sin in your life, or this would never have happened to you. Let me give you one example. One of them's name was Eliphaz. Eliphaz said to Job, quote, stop and think. Have you ever known a truly good and innocent person who was punished? Job Have you ever known a truly good and innocent person who was punished? In other words, you can't be good and you can't be innocent. Or you wouldn't be going through this. But then he kept it up. He says, experience teaches that it is those who sow sin and trouble who harvest the same. Let me interpret that for you. Job, you're reaping what you have sown clearly. Clearly your sin has found you out because truly good and innocent people are not punished. Do not go through this. If you're good and if you're innocent, you're blessed, 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 blessed all the time, blessed. You don't go through this. You're being punished, Job. That was their message. Come on, fess up, repent that God might forgive you and take this suffering off of you. Friends. Here he is. He's covered in boils. He's, he can't sleep at night. He's laying in ashes. He, even his own wife has said, curse God and die, the devil talking through her. He's lost his kids, lost his home, lost his wealth, lost everything, and now here they come. What would you do wrong? What's the secret sin in your life? How did you bring this on yourself, Joe? How did you elicit the judgment of God? But we know from the Bible that Job wasn't being punished at all. None of this was his fault. In fact, at the beginning of the book of Job, it says we find God bragging on Job. He's bragging on him. He said, have you seen my servant Job, blameless and upright and the greatest man of all the people of the East? Yeah, this is how his friends were judging the situation. They looked at his trouble, looked at his pain, looked at all the tragedy, and they were interpreting it and misreading it as the judgment of God on Job. He must have done something really, really wrong to have come under these terrible circumstances. And likewise, the Galileans that were killed must have done something terrible for that to befall them. And those that were at the tower must have been really bad sinners for that tower to fall on them and nobody else but on them. Why were they singled out? Why did they suffer? Why did they die? They must have done something wrong. But you know what, church? Job's friends were wrong, and God told them that in the end of the book. And these informants who came to Jesus insinuating that those that had been murdered did something wrong and brought the judgment of God on themselves, they were wrong. And the insinuation that those that were killed at the tower had sinned, and that's why that happened. That insinuation is wrong because guess what? Those at the tower, it wasn't their fault. They didn't make that tower fall. They were in wrong place at wrong time, 
and the tower fell on them and they died. Can I tell you the truth about something today? Christians die in accidents. Christians die from sickness. The book of Ecclesiastes says time and chance happens to everybody. According to Jesus, it's not how you die. It's when you died, were you right? When you died, were you right with God? That's the gist of what Jesus is telling these men. So, so let me ask you a question. When somebody's house burns down, or they experience a loss of health, or their children die, or they lose a job, it's a mistake, says Jesus, to read God's judgment into that. You know what they really need? They need somebody to reach out a hand of love, a hand of encouragement, a hand of strength, and say, hey, I see you're going through all kinds of trouble. I'm not here to point a finger at you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to say you must have done something wrong. I'm here in the name of Jesus to love you, have compassion on you, to hold you up, to encourage you, to pat you on the back, to uphold you, to help carry you until you get through this thing. That's what God has called the church to do. I'll give you a, for instance, when Islamic terrorism struck in New York on 9-11, all those people in the Twin Towers, were they worse sinners than everybody in New York? No way. They weren't worse sinners. They were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And here was the question. Here's what Jesus would have wanted to know. How many of those in those Twin Towers were right with God when their time came? Because you never know when your time is going to come. You never know. What about those 239 people who were on the Malaysian jetliner when it crashed into the Indian Ocean, going right off the radar screen and crashing? Were they under God's judgment for being worse sinners than all other Malaysians? Or were they just in the wrong place at the wrong time? And the real question was, how many in that jet knew Jesus? How many in that jet had repented? How many in that jet were right so that when they knew they were going down, they said, well, if this is my moment, Lord Jesus, here I come. But how many grabbed the seat and said, in the little bit of time they had, how many grabbed that seat and said to themselves, I should have gotten right. I should have been right. I should have walked right. I should have made that decision. I should have started following Jesus. Way back when, when I had the chance. Jesus says so many times it's not God's judgment. It's because we're in a world of trouble, a world of pain, a fallen world. And in his mind, it is, have you gotten right? Because that's our life. And that's the next point, really. Jesus warns that the real issue is we're in danger of perishing without repentance. Let me tell you what the Bible, how the Bible sees humanity, how the Bible sees the world. Jesus is saying, here's the deal. You're all sinners and will all one day die from one thing or another. And you will all perish in your sin unless you repent. That's the word of Jesus. You know what? When I read Jesus, I realize he was a hellfire and brimstone preacher. I mean, he burned the house down sometimes with what he said. He didn't just walk around saying nicely, love one another and patty. Listen, he said, if you don't repent, you're going to perish just like they did. He told the truth, undiluted, unapologetically told the truth. He said, you're all sinners. He's talking to these men now who have brought him this report. He said, you're all sinners, and you're going to die one day, and my question to you is, are you right with God? Have you repented? Because if you haven't, 
You're going to perish like those at the tower did. You're going to perish like those who were murdered. It's not how you die, but are you right with God when you die? Can I say it again? It's not how you die. We're all going to die, but it's were you right with God when you died? According to Jesus, the whole human race is in just as much danger as the 18 that were standing too close to that tower. David, one time, when David was being chased by Saul, he made this statement. He said, I am but one step from death. Nobody in here knows when your day is, when your time is. That's Jesus' point. He says, you take the time God has given you to repent and get right with God because your time is coming. It's coming. An unexpected accident or sickness can bring you your last day on earth in a moment's time. And the accident or sickness, more times than not, is not your fault. It's not your fault. Those involved in that tower accident, they didn't topple it. They didn't push it over. They didn't make it happen. They were just standing there, and all of a sudden, their day came. When they got up that morning, they had no idea. This is my last day on the planet. A really weird, unexpected accident is going to happen. A tower is going to fall on me. And I'm going to meet my maker. This is why James warns against assuming you have all kinds of time to get right with God. He said, you know not what tomorrow may bring. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Have you ever gotten up and there was a fog on the ground? You look out there and it's foggy. And maybe you go outside 30 minutes later and that fog is completely evaporated. That's your life. You're here a little bit and then gone. You're a blink sandwiched in between two eternities, a camera flash, a nod, boom, you were here, boom, you're gone. But it's that moment, it's that life on this earth, it's that time that God has given us to get right and to serve him. That's Jesus' message. The most important thing to Jesus was the soul of man, not how a person dies. He said, your soul is more valuable than anything on earth. What will it profit you if you gain the whole world and all the riches therein and lose your soul? Your soul is more valuable than all the gold that used to be in Fort Knox. You could gather all the riches in all the world and bring it all together in some huge, vast building. And Jesus said, walk away from it if it means your soul. Because your soul is more valuable than anything on earth. Gold, silver, diamonds, rubies, your soul. We've all got a soul, and it's eternal. James said, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live. You're here right now because God allowed you to breathe this morning. Did you know that? The Bible says your next breath is in the hands of God. And people walk around, they walk around arrogant and cocky and act like I've got the whole world in front of me and I'll do what I want, when I want, where I want. And they don't know that God is holding their next breath in his hands. And by the mercy of God and the grace of God, they live that day. Their heart beats that day. Because when your heart stops beating, your soul goes into eternity and then it's eternally too, too late. You will not come back as a grasshopper or a cricket or a cow or a dog. There is no reincarnation. It's given unto a man to die once and then the judgment. Do you know that Moses wrote one psalm? There's one psalm that includes the writings of Moses, and he talked about this very thing. He's talking to God in prayer. Moses, the man of God, the man who 
talked with God face to face. He's praying in this prayer. Listen to what he says. This is out of the Living Bible, but it's so powerful. Psalms 90, verse 3. You speak, he says to God. You speak, and man turns back to dust. We glide along the tides of time as swiftly as a racing river and vanish as quickly as a dream. We are like grass that is green in the morning but mowed down and withered before the evening shadows fall. I have flowers in my backyard. I go by these hanging baskets. And I, just last week, I had a hanging basket of these beautiful pink flowers just hanging down off the basket, beautiful. You see it from the road. I was very proud of those pink flowers. And then the next day I went out there, and they're gone. They're all withered and brown and gross-looking. I said, what happened to you? You look great just yesterday. That's you. That's me. Have you been to a high school reunion? You know, you got this memory of those people that were in high school with you. Oh, she was so pretty. He was so good looking. And then you have a high school reunion and you go. And what do you see? A bunch of withered, brown, hanging. And there isn't any place on earth where more lying takes place than a high school reunion. Oh, you look great. Inside you're thinking, where in the world have they been? What did they do to themselves? You see them, you say, oh, oh, hallelujah, how you doing? Good to see you. Your name was what? Because you know what's happened to them? Listen, listen. We're like grass that is green in the morning, junior high, high school, but mowed down and withered before the evening shadows fall. That's life. That's you and me. We don't last long. He goes on, you spread out our sins before you, our secret sins, and you see them all. Seventy years are given to us, and some may even live to eighty, but even the best of those years are often empty and filled with pain. Soon they disappear, and we are gone. Here today, gone tomorrow, that's our life. Jesus said the most important thing is not how you die. It's not how old you are when you die, but what condition were you in? Had you taken the opportunity to repent and get right with God? The Lord has called us to comfort, encourage, and strengthen the suffering, not lay on them a further burden of guilt and blame. More than once I've carried the added weight of self-blame for something that was totally out of my control. I hope today's word was an encouragement to you and that it lifted unnecessary condemnation from your shoulders. Well, don't go anywhere because our announcer has some exciting things to share with our Life Talk listeners you will want to take advantage of. Now you can bring Pastor Jeff Wickwire and Life Talk right into your home, your car, or wherever you may be to lead you on the exciting journey of building up your Christian walk in faith, hope, and love. For a gift of any size to Life Talk, Pastor Jeff will send you a CD collection of some of his most anointed and inspiring teaching series. 
These CDs will strengthen your faith and build your understanding of what Christ Jesus did for you at the cross. You will begin to understand just how much our Heavenly Father loves you and the whole world. So call now, toll-free, 877-884-3111, or just log on anytime, day or night, to lifetalk.tv. Listen to Pastor Jeff's hope-filled CDs again and again, or give them to family members or friends as a gift. Don't wait. Call 877-884-3111 right now, or log on anytime to lifetalk.tv and give your best gift today. Today's program is entitled, It's Not Your Fault. You can get your own copy of this message for just $5 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.